0: Ooh, what's up everybody? Wow, I love the warm welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to see you all here. It's great to be starting a new semester. And just to really start it off right, second day of class, you're here. Welcome here. And so um, I'm really excited that you're here because this is a great place. The challenge is a great place to connect with people. And really, I think you're going to have a great year. I think that 2023 is going to be your year, if... If you do two things, okay, if you engage with community in 2023, and if you seek truth in 2023, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey in your walk with God, that is going to greatly benefit your life. If you, if you seek truth and engage with community and this challenge right here to every Tuesday night and the other ways that you can connect, this is a great place to do that. And so, once again, I just want to welcome you here, and I'm really excited for you, and hopefully this is impactful for your life in some way, and um, I've been praying that it would be. So, I want to kind of shift toward what we're talking about tonight. We're starting a new series called New. It's just, I I thought about calling it just uh, the new series or something, something really lame or, I don't know, kind of silly, Uh, but it's called New, and It's because I've been thinking a lot about how we're starting a new semester, we start a new year, and man, every time that that happens, it brings with it some excitement, right? It's just like we're eager to move into something new. It's exciting. It's interesting in a way that the old hasn't been. And so we're stepping into this new semester, and there's a lot to be excited for. Like I was saying, you can have a great year if you really choose to make the, some really key choices for your life and how you spend your time, how you spend, uh, spend your life, honestly. So, but what happens here is that we naturally yearn for what is new and this has some positive consequences. You know, we're, we're excited, we're energized for what's to come, but it can have some negative consequences. And I'm gonna get into that in a second, but first, these are my new socks. Do you like my new socks? <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Um, I ordered my new socks on Thursday last week and they came in today, as you can see, and every day since Thursday, I've been checking on my little, the little app that tells you where my package is. But several times a day, I've been checking in to go, where are my new socks? right? Does anybody else do this? Like when it comes to like a package coming in or something, you've got the new socks coming in, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm anticipating it. And this is, a, this is a human nature kind of thing to do, whether you do it with that or a, a way that, another way that I see this play out, at least in my life, is on social media. The social media apps, they're designed for, for, for them to last forever, right? I'm scrolling on there and it it doesn't stop <laughs> have you noticed that <laughs> you know it's they're designed to to make it so that you are consistently you you scroll to the next thing you say is this new right is this interesting to me is this Is this something I'm looking for? Is this funny or is it educational for me? And this is like the kind of little synapse that I have in my brain for like two seconds as I'm seeing something new pop up on there. And then if it doesn't meet the criteria, I scroll and I look for something else that's new. I do this, you guys, and and perhaps you do too. I think this is a a thing that we all tend to do. I mean, also, we are just craving new things in our lives too, just on, on a bigger scale, and we want to see changes happen. And we're unsatisfied with what's currently in front of us a lot of the time. And I, once again, I just find myself in that spot. I need those new socks, you know? Uh, so that's that can be a good thing, but it has these problems where we can be just almost addicted to that, that experience, that sensation of the new happening to us, the new socks arriving on my doorstep. There's something like exciting about that, but we can be enslaved to that if we're, say, scrolling for too long, or we're just in a state of dissatisfaction because of our surroundings, because not not enough news happening. And we'll get into all these different things, but it's like, when you're, if you were like stuck in a raft out at sea, you're surrounded by the water, but that salt water that you're drinking to try to, you know, hey, this is, it's water, right? I'm thirsty it's only going to make us thirstier, right? And so we need something different. We need something else to fill that void, something new that uh, the most new stuff just isn't, isn't doing. And so for us tonight, I have two biblical steps for our approach to the new. And so you have a handout that you're given. Uh, if you want to follow along in that, there's a pen as well. If uh, It's up to you, though, ultimately. And so just you can follow along with me, and I really hope that this is helpful to you. And so the first of these steps for our approach is to stop chasing the futile new. Stop chasing the futile new. Stop chasing that. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> so... Stop chasing the futile new. Okay, that's number one. Ecclesiastes one two. It's on your handout. Says this: absolute futility. Says the teacher: absolute futility. Everything is futile. You guys, I don't know if you've ever written a sermon before, but that's a weird first verse. <laughs> I feel weird right now that that was my first verse in what I just what I'm sharing with you. Uh, and so what, what I'm getting at here, or what this verse is getting at here, this is from a book called Ecclesiastes in the Bible. It's a really unique book because uh, what it does is it's really breaking down a lot of these problems that we have, and it can be really bleak at times, honestly. This is the second verse of like a 12-chapter book, <laughs> and it's saying everything is futile, absolute futility. And, and so we're forced to reckon with that as people. Is, what's that mean? Well, there's this word that pops up constantly in the original Hebrew of the book Ecclesiastes. And that, that word is hevel. Hevel. H-E-V-E-L for those of you who care. And this word futile that we read in this, this passage just now. That comes from that original Hebrew word hevel. Absolute hevel. Everything is hevel is what this means. It's used many times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And what it essentially means, it means a vapor or breath. (sighs) Just that. And it signifies in the context of Ecclesiastes a sense of temporariness. Something that doesn't last. When I stepped outside this morning and it was cold, I breathed. (sighs) Right? And it was there. I could see it because it was cold. And then, and then it wasn't. It, it was there, and then it wasn't. This is the temporariness of heaven. This is the temporariness of life, according to Ecclesiastes, if, if this author is to be trusted. <laughs> and so it doesn't last. And, and this concept of life as being momentary, as a breath, it's also found in other places in the Bible. We see it in so a completely different book, in the book of James, another verse on your handout says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So James too, he describes life and our, our experience as a mist, as a vapor, something fleeting and passing. And its intent is to put our minds in perspective, our existence into perspective of, hey, this is how things are. And James, however, he hints at this greater truth. He doesn't just say everything is Hevel, everything is meaningless or futile and leave it there. He says, no, God's will dictates the course of our lives. God's will dictates the course of our lives. You and I can put our ambitious plans into action, but the outcome is ultimately up to God. And so everything is Hevel and there's this illusion of control that that we have of like all the plans that we make about our future, about our livelihood, about our life. And but ultimately the Bible says God controls all these things and our, our dent in them might not be as significant as we think. If this isn't bumming you out enough, we're going to go back to Ecclesiastes. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going somewhere. Verses 8 through 10 of the first chapter of Ecclesiastes. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Can one say about anything, look, this is new? It has already existed in the ages before us. There is nothing new under the sun. All the the socks and scrolling and and self-help in the world cannot change that. In my study Bible, which has some commentary on this verse we just read, it shares this, which once again is honing in on what, what do we make of all these hard truths? It says, when Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun, it means that there is nothing that changes the fundamental facts of the human condition. This does not deny that there are technological innovations, right, or new works of art, or literature and architecture, but these things are all variations on what had already existed. They do not deliver humanity from its bondage to death. The new thing that really changes life can only come from God. It's not of human origin. It can only come from God. And so to recap everything I've said, everything is Hevel, a breath. And God's sovereign will simply allows for any seeming progress that we as humanity make. There is nothing new under the sun, and we are in bondage. In, we're in bondage to the search for the new. And we're in bondage to death. Right? It finds us all. Why doesn't anything satisfy or fix our condition? Why doesn't anything satisfy or fix our condition? There's an author named C.S. Lewis who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, among other works, but you might know that one. And he wrote a book called Mere Christianity as well. And he said this, if I find myse- in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That's CS Lewis's conclusion. So what does the Bible have to say about that? We need to stop chasing the futile new and second, start embracing the faithful new. Start embracing the faithful new. We need to stop doing what we were doing and chasing off chasing the hevel, the things that just just flutter away, right? Start embracing the faithful new. There is a kind of new that is not fleeting. And his name is Jesus. A commentary that I've, that I've looked into on this, it was really helpful uh, as I was thinking about, once again, Ecclesiastes uh, 1, 8 through 10, talking about there's nothing new under the sun. This quote says that that, rem- that verse reminds us that only God can create out of nothing. We may arrange matter to suit our particular and immediate need, but all is subject to the laws of God. We kind of looked into this already. Only in the person and the work of Jesus did God give man something new and different and redemptive. Only in the person and work of Jesus did God give man something new and different and redemptive. Stop chasing, start embracing. I use those words carefully because that chase that we just go through in life, that longing and pursuit of new things, isn't it tiresome? Ecclesiastes says, All things are wearisome. We're just burnt out on trying to find the thing that's going to satisfy and going to stick. God is different. He sent a savior that came to us. We do not need to chase him as though he were fleeting or far. No, God sent a savior that came to you. Isaiah forty thirty-one says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There is refreshment. There is renewal to be found. And what God does have to offer us. We are renewed by bending to his unchanging and ultimately wonderful will. If we would wait for the Lord. Jeremiah 31 says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. I'll refresh the weary. That is that refreshment that we're looking for. This newness that God gives It brings various things. I don't have it written down here, but it brings refreshment, right? That rest that we long for from that which wearies us. Rest from that pursuit, that chase after the things that are just tiring us out because we can't truly grasp them like the breath that we breathe. We can't seem to find our hands around it to grasp it. We see, we find refreshment from God's newness. We find excitement in the newness of God, joy in life that exceeds momentary pleasure, refreshment, excitement, and fulfillment. Remember James 4 talking about all these things that man does are just like, what does it matter? What are we building God is in control of all these things. He is, and he supplies purpose to our life and to our activity. We find fulfillment and meaningfulness in our activity that has eternal worth. That is a far cry from that insignificant seeming temporary hevel worth. Of, of how we were living. God gives us something eternal to work towards, to, to give our life to, and to, to exp, exp, find meaning in, and purpose, experience purpose. The newness that God give, gives brings refreshment and excitement and fulfillment, but most importantly, God's newness makes us new. God's newness makes us new. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. And so, what I need to ask is have you done this? Have you. Been transformed into a new creation. See, the bad news about us, about the human condition, it goes much deeper than our addiction and our craving for what we think might satisfy. No, at heart, we are, you and I, we're all about ourselves. It, it, we are selfish by nature. That has led all of mankind to pursue things that are not God to our own destruction. We have laid this foundation of honestly wickedness as we carve out a path for ourselves and seek to satisfy our longings, no matter the cost. This is our problem. We seek our own selfish gains, our selfish ambitions. And so that's, that's our condition before God decided to intervene. God, in his, his glorious wisdom, chose to send Jesus, his son, to the earth in order to live as a man and to die. And God took all of the punishment that was meant for you, all the punishment that you and I, we deserve because of the selfishness. That we just inherently gravitate to, and, and the need that we have for, for recognition, and all the ways that we are addicted to this or that. God took all the punishment that you and I know we deserve, and He laid it on Jesus in death, in punishment. And Jesus resurrected. He laid in the tomb for three days and he was resurrected. God in his justice and his mercy, he laid our sins on him to die and resurrected to new life. And so when all hope was lost, Jesus was resurrected. And now he beckons us to become a new creation. Now, if you are already a follower of Christ, let this truth propel you to action, to do something about it. You know this good news, and that should bring joy, and it should bring a greater sense of clarity and perspective to what you do today and tomorrow. Do you still get sidelined by the search for the futile new? I know I do, and so I encourage you, refocus on the refreshment, the excitement, the fulfillment of new life in Christ, and that's if you're a follower of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ right now, if you want to become a new creation, if you want to embrace the gift of, his, of God's faithful new grace, I encourage you to indicate that decision on your connection card, which you have in your handout. We would love to follow up with you. We'd love to share more about what that looks like. And so... I encourage you to really consider: is that the next step that you need to take? No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we want to come alongside you and help you to take the next step. That's what we're here for. Let me read one more verse here and then pray for us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your sacrifice. Thank you for the refreshment, the joy, the fulfillment, the purpose that you give us in all of our lostness, in all of our foolishness, in all of our selfishness, Lord. I pray that we would gain a deeper understanding of the things that we ought to change. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that we would turn to you and the grace that you give, knowing that we cannot earn this free gift of your salvation. I pray that you would clarify these things for us through your word that we we can read here in this, this handout. I pray that as we continue to step into this new year, that we would step into newness and life in you so that we can experience all all the blessings, all the renewal that comes from knowing you. So teach us, Lord, in the ways that we need to turn toward you in that. In Jesus' name, amen.